You're listening to the Open Wheel Spectacular Podcast. Here is your host, TJ Buffenbarger. Hello, world. On this edition of the Open Wheel Spectacular Podcast, I sit down with 1984 Sprints on Dirt champion Mike Shaw. Mike has been out of the driver's seat since 1990, but is still fondly remembered as one of the most exciting sprint car drivers that come out of the state of Michigan. His stand on the gas style made him a fan favorite and is fondly remembered even by race fans today. I had a moment to catch up with Shaw to discuss how he got his sprint car career started, his incredible 1984 season, his vicious crash at the Owasso Speedway in 1985, along with the comeback afterwards, and a variety of other topics over about 30 minutes that we visited. So before we get started with Mike, make sure to support the sponsors that make things like this possible on TJSideways.com, like the Open Wheel Spectacular podcast, All-Star Performance, Dirt Track Nation, MPD Racing Products, Maxim Chassis, and MSP Mounts. And with that out of the way, here is Mike Shaw. Something I've been wanting to do on the podcast is do some uh, Where Are They Now segments. And one of the guys that used to stand on the gas harder than anyone else in the state of Michigan was 1984 Sprints on Dirt champion Mike Shaw. And after a little bit of running around, we were able to locate Mike, who is a enjoying retirement mike how you doing today really good thank you well that's awesome thank you for for calling oh thank you for taking time out of your day to visit with us so the first thing i've got to ask you is what are you up to these days we don't see you around the racetrack much so i just want to see uh (laughs) i know fans probably and people want to know what are you up to these days well uh i opened up a auto repair shop in litchfield back in 1990 that's the year that i actually quit driving Cars was a year was 1990 I think the day after Labor Day I quit but anyway um, uh, I opened up a shop in Litchfield and been running that for several years and then my son come to work for me and uh, later on my youngest son and uh, David and him and his wife Julie bought me out in about 2016 so anyway that got me out of doing it full time. And, uh, but now I, and I took some time off and, uh, but now I go back in every day and I do oil changes and brake jobs and, uh, stuff like that. Stuff that's not real strenuous. And when I was, <laughs> when, it I, keeps me act- when I was, uh, you know, when I was trying to track you down, I think it was your daughter. I got a hold of and She, she mentioned that you, you weren't very good retired. You had to, <laughs> you had to keep busy. So. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. Got I mean, it. That makes sense. So. You know, I, I, I don't usually do these things in chronological order, but there's one part of your actual racing career I don't know about. How did you get started in racing? Because, I mean, I know, I mean, by the time I became old enough to remember sprint car racing, you were just sort of there, but how did you get interested in it? Well, uh, my wife, her brother married a lady that uh, her folks owned the butler uh, convenience store or Butler grocery store there, just uh, about a mile north of Butler uh, Speedway, and uh, they used to go to the races quite often. And uh, they got my wife and I to go out with them a couple times, and we decided that you know it looked like it'd be a lot of fun. So my uh, uh, wife and Jerry Tryon was his name. Uh, yeah, her um, sister's husband, he was interested in it, too. So we actually bought a car 
together in 68 and uh, 1968 and we started uh, racing and what we were doing at the time we were switching off Jerry would drive it one weekend and I'd drive it the next but I was doing all the mechanical working on it uh, engine and stuff like that and he was just putting all the money in it so eventually I just quit driving and uh, he uh, took over driving full time so you uh, you were actually more mechanical in the early part of your career then. Yes, yes, I was. I was working for uh, Tidy Motor Sales in Marshall, which is a Chevrolet Oldsmobile dealership, and uh, working on the newer cars and stuff. But uh, I was real familiar with engines and stuff like that, so I rebuilt a new engine for the car when we did it, and it always run good. So, but anyway, uh, ended up I uh, got hooked up with George Racy in the sixteen car. And uh, he had put somebody in it that wasn't doing a real good job. And uh, he talked to me about driving for him. So I started driving for him, and which would have been, you know, early 70s, 72 or something like that. And uh, drove his old modified for a year, and then he built a new modified over the year, over the winter. And uh, we did pretty good that next year. Won a couple of features and stuff, but... Uh, then I got hooked up, uh, I think I only drove for him for another year, and I got hooked up with Al Simmons out of Marshall, and he had an old CAE Sprint car, and we were running a little bit of Trisac and a little bit of Butler and, you know, uh, a little bit of uh, Villa Speedway, and uh, so that we did, I did that for a year, and then I decided to build my own car, and so I started out with an old Travis Sprint car out of Pennsylvania and uh, run that, started running that and uh, ended up buying a brand new Nance car. I think that was in uh, would have been about 78 I think it was. I bought a new Sprint chassis Nance Sprint chassis from Larry Bible and uh, Jack Sharp down there in Union City uh, GNL race cars and uh, then that's when I really started running good with that car. Well, the, before we get too far along, though, I want to circle back to the transition between modified, super modified, and sprint car. You're one of the few guys we've ever had on this show that's actually made that transition. When you first got in the sprint car, how big of a difference was it? Oh, it was a big difference. Uh, the cars were, at least ones I, that we had, the sprint cars a lot lighter and uh, more responsive to... Uh, uh, different track conditions, you know, you can make a lot better, easier adjustments on it with a torsion bar suspension than you could with the old leaf spring that we had in the old cars. So it was, it was uh, basically, uh, you know, easy, easy transition. So, and you said you're, anyway. yeah, you, so you got your Nance car in the, in the late 70s, early 80s there, and you said that you were running. Oh, uh, Trisac and and other stuff too. Now that they raced on dirt and pavement, so you must have done a little bit of pavement racing too, or were you just strictly on the dirt at that yeah, point? Yeah, I run uh, Kalamazoo with it. Run, I think maybe a couple of times or once up to Berlin, up to Grand Rapids area, and uh, then Angola at that time I think was still uh, was asphalt, and uh, we run down there. But uh, then I got hooked up with. Uh, Harry Stickney out of Girard, he had a offset roadster, eight inch offset roadster. 
and uh, I started driving that in 79, and uh, we did real good with that, and uh, we ended up winning the Trisac Championship in 79, so... And that's interesting because I talked to Drew Bible about you, and that is one the only thing I really knew about. He said, I think he was pretty good on both surfaces. I'm like, man, I didn't remember him running much pavement. But uh, if you want a Trisac championship, you definitely had to be good on both surfaces. Yep, we won a uh, race down at Toledo uh, Speedway on that big high bank. And, of course, in Berlin, we raced, uh, just raced there quite a bit. I know we won one there in Kalamazoo. But uh, so yeah, it was you know, a little bit of little bit of both at that time. But once I got hooked up with Harry uh, Stickney, I was racing basically strictly uh, pavement because his car was all all pavement car. It wasn't he didn't do any dirt racing with that. So anyway, we uh, eventually I got back into driving my own car again, and that's when I got hooked up with Bob Shattuck. His he wasn't happy with his driver, so he put me in his car. That would have been about '82, and we started running real good right off the bat because he had excellent equipment, and he was an excellent guy as far as keeping the car well maintained. And uh, and Roger Ziski, Roger's engine shop, was building all the engines for it, and they run real strong. So. That's when we started really running good in the sprint car. Yeah, I was kind of looking. I, I have you in my records. I, I actually went to Alan Brown and got some old records and stuff, and I combined his with mine. And it uh, looks like you won your first sod race in 1981. So you were there right from the beginning. You were a Trisat guy. It seemed like to me sod, sod took out took off like right off the bat. So, you know, being a Trisat guy and, and things were kind of fragmented back then a little bit, according to my dad, when I talked to him about it, what was the buzz around sod when it first started? Cause I didn't see your name. I saw your name in the top five a little bit the first year, but it seems like you ran a lot more of it after that. Do you remember like when it got started up, what was like the buzz or the feeling about it? You know, that is something that I really cannot remember myself personally. Okay. And, uh, I just, I don't know. Just heard about it from other guys that were running them or running with them, and because uh, and, I'd been running Butler, you know, quite a bit with my own car earlier, and uh, so anyway, then I, you know, started running the side circuit, and things one thing led to another, and, and I ended up with Bob Shannon. He was a great guy to drive for because he was always right on top of any thing that the car needed and he was during the week he was working on the car making sure it was everything was you know in good shape and, and of course roger he was big on the engine so it uh which really helped us you know be consistent we were there every week and running good every week so yeah. now was that an osborne car you guys had that blue car the blue and silver one the original one, I think, was an yeah. Osborne. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember that was a beautiful race car, by the way. It's one of my yeah. favorites of all times. Yeah. And it was fast. And you definitely oh, yeah. were not afraid to stand on the gas. <laughs> In fact, everyone <laughs> I talked to when we were leading up to this interview, I was ta- calling everyone I knew for good stories and stuff. And I ran into Gary Fidoa on Saturday. And I'm like, hey, what, what question? Oh, did you? Yeah, I did. And uh, I was like, what question should I ask him about? And I, I, I'm not going to lie. Two or three other people also said the same story. There was a, a story about a villa 
and you'll probably remember this, and it was during qualifying, and uh, apparently you managed to stand a car up on the back side of the car. You were on the hammer so hard. It was <laughs> just, yeah, I hear the laughter already. So, yeah. Uh, how? So this seems to be the memorable story. Do you remember this and how it happened? Not really. Okay. Um, I just, I know that track was always nice and tacky. It was, you know, excellent track. And that was one of my favorite tracks because it was where you could, you could run the bottom, middle or the high, you know, if you wanted to. And, uh, I was always, you know, hooked up on that track quite well, I guess I would say. But as far as that, I don't know. I don't remember how that, how that ended up, uh, coming about, but, uh, Bob wasn't too happy about it. Bob Shattuck, no. car owner. <laughs> <laughs> How was it, was he? You know, you say he was meticulous and very good with the car. Was he hard to drive for? I mean, were the expectations really high, or was he a pretty decent guy to drive for? Well, pressure wise, no. He was. He was. Long as you, you, <laughs> you know, long as you drove the way you should, you know, and didn't do stupid things, he was very patient. Mm-hmm. But he would let you know. He would let you know if uh, you know if you weren't uh, doing it the right way. Kind of, I guess, was way, one way of putting it. But, <laughs> I, I, th- uh, I think we could. But he, he was always a, he was always a good good teacher and stuff. Gotcha. That makes but, sense. You'd mentioned Avila being your favorite racetrack. Where are some of the other ones that stand out during your career that were among your favorites to, to stop at? Well, I have some hints based on well, where you won, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a Wassel, after they turned that to dirt, that was a nice, that was one of my favorite tracks. Although that's where I got hurt pretty bad one year. And uh, I think that was 85 early in 85. We were up there and uh, the track was dusty that night and uh, coming through uh, three and four, I, I know car got sideways in front of me. I went up over his tire and ended up going off the track into the uh, off off a of turn four, basically. And what they had done when they had uh, changed it to dirt, they took and bulldozed all the asphalt up and they piled it all up there on that turn four. And I hit that, and man, I stopped the car stopped right now, and I ended up getting uh, quite a concussion and uh, ended up with double vision. And that uh, is basically affected me the rest of my life but i was able to drive you know after that for a while i drove for mike duffy after that and uh we did pretty good with his new car yeah and 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 but you did come back i mean you were out a little while from that accident too i mean you didn't race for quite a while it was i think till like august or so i saw your name pop up in the results again yep yeah so it was do you think it was it's just one of those one of those deals, you know, one of those freak accidents and stuff, and it just, you know, shakes you up. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. I actually wasn't there that night. It was one of the few sod races in my youth. I actually missed that night. My, my dad was there, and I was not there. I remember hearing about it, but I never, I wasn't there, thankfully, right. to see you go flying off the end of the racetrack. But from what I heard, not many other people saw you do it either, because of the same reason you saw no, the dust that probably night. Not. But, um, but yeah, that was, you know, and, and people, you know, today don't know that was a very big fast racetrack i mean i don't even know what i would compare it to at this point i mean what would you compare it to i can't even think of anything else well you know you can't really compare it to eldora because eldora's got more bank to it and better better clay but uh 
you know, it'd be a lot like Berlin if they took and changed that to dirt, you know. Yeah, it but, was... Uh, it was a monster racetrack. I remember that growing up. It was yeah. just, it just seemed like it was huge. You know, when you're, of course, when you're eight or nine years old, everything's huge. But yeah. I mean, that was, that and was another, one. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say another track that I really liked was up to Martin 131 when they turned that uh, track to dirt. They built that dirt track there next to the drag strip. Uh, we did real good at that track too. And, and, uh, I could out, actually. One, I remember one night qualifying flat-footed all the way around it. Bobby Bobby Coates told me before the race or before I went out to qualify, he said, "I want to see you go out there and flat-footed." So I went out there and flat-footed all the way around. He couldn't believe it, but I uh, ended up with a record seventeen uh, seventeen something that night. And uh, but that was you know one of my one of, for a big track is one of my favorite tracks. And it's probably the biggest one you guys got on with Sod that I can remember. It's a huge right. five eighths mile yeah. racetrack. And uh, uh, I yeah. see a trend here. There's lots of big, fast racetracks that you stand the gas on, and you seem to like all those. Yeah. So that makes sense. You know, we talked about the crash in 1985, but the year before that, you you had a whale of a season. Ten wins, oh, yes. four in a row. I mean, what do you remember about that season? What are the, some of the things that stand out to you? Just, uh, just seemed like uh, everything was going our way, and I was driving with using common sense driving, but I was still driving hard. I just wasn't doing stupid things to end up crashing and uh, uh, doing you know stuff like that. So I don't know. It's just. It's one of those years where everything was just clicking. That uh, you know, every, the car always felt good, and it ran ran excellent. So I don't know other than that. And when I looked at it, here's the most impressive thing I saw about that: you won four races in a row at one point. I don't know if you remember this or yep. not, but Thunderbird, Owasso, Brian, and Crystal. I don't know if you could find four racetracks more different than those. <laughs> oh yes, definitely. I mean, yeah, yeah. that uh, the Brian's Brian track is a big track too and kind of flat, but we always, you know, we run good down there too. And uh, but Thunderbird, I don't, you know, don't really remember a whole lot about the the surface of it, but it seemed like it was, you know, decent. Must have been decent surface. There's you a- know, where I could get hooked up on it good. There's a couple of places you got the race at. I only saw one of them, and I kind of wanted to see what you remembered about them. I mean, you were at the sod race at Raceland Speedway, which was the first sod race in Canada. Do you remember anything about that trip at all, or not really? Or Up at South, South Buxton, Ontario, I yeah. think is what the name of the town was. Yep. Or, you know, it was near there. Yeah, but anyway, uh, that was really a... Uh, nice track it was it wasn't a real high bank but it was it had some long straightaways on it but uh i remember we uh s- seemed to run real good up there yeah I, but it, uh i can't i can't really recall all about you know everything about the track but i remember it was it was a you know, fun to race there and then an, that much. Another, that much. another one that's kind of unique that a lot of people didn't get to see probably that are Sprinkler fans in the area now was uh, the Kalamazoo County Fairgrounds. Oh, and yeah. I know, okay. a, I know a couple. They had a couple sod races there. It was really odd. They'd like laid clay down on it. They'd try to do races there. How did how was that all done? And what was that like? Uh, 
Well, you know, it because of it not being a permanent track or dirt track, it would get a little dusty, a little sandy. And uh, but other than that, I can't really remember a whole lot about you know how how the car actually worked. Yeah, but it, you, so but, I, you but you you were there and stuff. And uh, that that's one that I still got to do more research on because it's kind of wild. But uh, but uh, you mentioned yeah. you mentioned your big accident in 1985, and and uh, was it hard knowing that someone else was in your race car because they they hired Terry Shepard to fill in for you yes. at the time? How hard was that yes. when you're sitting on the sideline knowing that someone else is in your seat? Well, knowing that there was no way that I'd be able to drive it, it wasn't real hard. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I knew I was going to take some time for me to, you know, recover because when I, uh, when I crashed, I was knocked unconscious and I was unconscious until I got to the hospital there at, uh, Sparrow hospital in uh, Lansing. And when I woke, when I woke up, I was in the hospital and I can remember just, you know, my head spinning and stuff and I couldn't even stand up because of, they were trying to get me to stand up. You know, I couldn't because I was so, uh, you know, disoriented, you might say. So, but to watch Terry drive, yeah, it was it was definitely tough. But I knew there wasn't anything I could do about it because, you know, I I wasn't, wasn't any way I could get back in the car right away. So, you you did get Not under those. No, in in you and Shattuck did race again for a little bit. I know you got into that orange Challenger car for a little bit. I think there might have been a Duffy yep. st- in between there, possibly. But, um, but uh, I I know you did finish it off with Bob there too, though. But you you did get hooked up with Mike Duffy. How did you get hooked up with him? Uh, I don't know. He he was racing his he was racing his own car, I guess, at the time, and. Uh, he had asked me if I wanted to drive it, and so and because I wasn't driving for Bob at the time, and uh, so I said, "Yeah, I'll try it." And it was an old old chassis and stuff. And man, he had that mess really the suspension messed up on it. We were uh, uh, up to a track up north, over around Muskegon or somewhere over there. Can't remember. But anyway, I. Come out, just going out to hot lap it and warmed it up and stuff, and I come out of number three turn and stood on the gas and when i did the car immediately turned right and went off the track <laughs> so anyway uh bob shattuck was there and he uh helped us uh re- readjust the suspension and stuff on it and then was able to get it to go around the turns a little better so it just you know it took some time to get that thing hooked up and then finally build a new car the next year and we did pretty good in that for a while yeah, but but looking down the line, but he here, wasn't. Yeah, I was just going to say yeah. he wasn't the maintenance guy. He wasn't up on maintenance like Bob Shattuck was. Uh, okay. You know, so things, so things got a little unsettled on it. Gotcha. That makes sense. Now I noticed, you, you know, obviously you came back, and then, but it took you till 1987 to win it. Win, and you won at uh, what's now known as I 96 Speedway, then at Ionia County Speedway. But you, how good right. did it feel to get that first win back after that crash in Owasso? Oh, it was, you know, it was like starting all over again. You know, it was, uh, uh, you know, it just brought a lot of uh, good feelings back to you because you knew that, you know, that you were able to perform 
you know, similar to what you had before the accident. So, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and what's cool is you and Duffy won some sprint car races too. I mean, I've got you winning at I ninety six and at Crystal in it. So, I mean, you know, eventually yeah. you got that program going, you and him, and you did win some features in it. Yes. Yep. When you look back, then on, like us. Go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. I was gonna say when you look back on your career at this point who were some of the, your toughest competitors like who who are the people that you probably had the most fun or maybe were the toughest people to race against throughout your career? <laughs> well on the dirt it was definitely hank lauer he was uh he was always you know and as you can see by the results you know that i was finishing second behind him a lot especially the early years and finished what three years in a row uh, the side point and end up at a side point at the end of the year, I was in second spot, but I was always in second spot behind Hank <laughs> until, uh, 84 when I was able to win all those races and get quite a ways ahead of him. So that was, uh, he was probably, you know, the hardest one to, for me to compete with. But, yeah. And, you know, you said you stepped away about 1990, you know, 89, 90 is when yes. you started winding down your career. What what finally led to that decision? I mean, you'd come back from the accident. But what made it finally? Because, I mean, payment was starting to come back into the mix at that point, um, kind of back towards the early part of your sprint car portion of your career. What what made this the time, though, to step away? Well, I guess I was getting tired of it, basically. And uh, after the accident, I wasn't running as good as I had before. Didn't have the equipment that I'd had before with Bob Shattuck. And uh, uh, like I said, Duffy just, he wasn't a mechanic that uh, Bob Shattuck was. So it was just, you know, I just got, I got just got terrorists going out there and not finishing, you know, or either not finishing. And that's what really finished uh the, the last straw that was when we were down to uh, uh, we were down in uh, where the heck was it? Bryan, Ohio, I think it was. And uh, Duffy, I was running running Duffy's car, and we were starting on the pole of the heat race. Of course, you had to finish in the top four to you know make it into the feature, you know, through the through the heat races and stuff. So anyway, uh, we were coming around on the parade lap getting ready to start the race. I pushed on on the gas and it wouldn't go, you know, the, the accelerator pedal was going right to the floor and wasn't going. So I coasted into the pits and got out and he checked it. And, oh no, the bolts fell out of the throttle linkage. So down <laughs> on the gas pedal. <laughs> oh, so anyway, I, w- I walked away from that and uh, I never got back in another car after that. I was just really upset. Now, did you go much? And I the- was just, Oh, go ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, and that's when I was just opening up my uh, own repair shop there in Litchfield, and I was, you know, one-man deal. You know, it was a one-man shop. And uh, so, anyway, I just it was just, just the time to quit. Now, your son raced quite a bit, you know, a little bit throughout the years and stuff. Yep. Was he still driving after that? Would you help him a little bit out a little bit, or did, was he pretty much on no, his own at that point? He had quit before then. Okay, he had quit before then. It, it was our own car, and we just didn't have the money to to uh, keep it going. 
Well, that's Basically. that's one of the other fun stories about this because uh, I was talking yeah. to Jason Blonde over the a couple weeks ago, and I decided, hey, I'm thinking I'm going to try to find Mike and see if we can do this interview. I did not realize this. Uh, he bought his first sprint car from you. Oh, did he? He did. I can't even remember that. Oh, you know what? So here's the here's the. I will tell this story. So it's kind of funny. He was telling me about the experience. He actually bought it from Junior, so he came to your shop to get it, and you were there. Okay. And he was loading parts and stuff up into the trailer for it. And he was greener than green at this point. And I believe he said he picked up the Jacob's ladder (laughs) and looked at you and said, where does this go? And he said you just just walked and shook shook your your head and just walked away. (laughs) But uh, it's probably hard to believe that that guy was... (laughs) It would be turn oh, out yeah. to be what he is now, you know, and oh, you know what? Okay, and kind of leads me to this question: Do you still go to the races every now and then? I mean, do you ever go yes. once in a while? You do, okay? Because yeah, uh, I was out to Butler uh, when they uh, John uh, Newberry had the uh, old timers night. Oh, okay. You know, former racers out there. Uh, through, I don't know it's been four weeks ago now, and but that's the only time I've been out there this year. Okay. But right. uh, there was quite a few of us that were out there. Hank was there, and his uh, boy Jeff, and a couple of the Slade boys, uh, Jerry Slade and uh, Jim Slade was there, and uh, several other ones that I can't think of right now. But uh, anyway, that that's always a fun deal, you know, to get together with a bunch of the old people, old drivers basically former drivers do you still do you still follow it a little bit and kind of keep up on who's doing what and uh, at least from a high level view who do you who impresses you at this point that's in the in the deal right now like who's who's impressive to you well you know of course jason is one of my favorites because he's a local boy you know from litchfield and uh but uh i oh I can't think of, uh, you know, can't think of his name now from Hillsdale. One of the guys over there. But anyway, I, I don't know. But yeah, it's it. There's a there's a lot of fast kids right now, and uh, I really yeah. like what they're doing over at Butler right now. It seems like the place is on a good trajectory and stuff. And uh, I was really impressed when I was out there earlier this year. So it's good to see that. Yeah, Just, since since the. Uh, uh, new new owners took over. Yeah, they've uh, done an excellent job with it, I think. So, because yeah. they're former racers too. So. I find it interesting you started there because one of my things I've always says that is the place that has started so many sprint car careers around here, and that's why that place is so important because it seems to be a lot of pla- a place where people can get laps and uh, right. And, and I think it teaches you to be a pretty good driver too. I mean, that place seems to have some traits that seem to I don't know just produce really good sprint car drivers around here. Well, being high banked and being uh, tight turns, you know, you got to be able to, you know, be able to control your car and um, pass when other guys aren't passing. But uh, what originally, uh, Louis Freeburn is the one that owned that track originally. And he always put, he had clay on it, of course, but then he always put uh, oil on it. He'd go over to the uh, oil wells there in Moserville and uh, pick up their uh, uh, the stuff that they, crude oil, I guess you would call it, and he'd bring it back and he'd spread it on the track and then go out and work it in. 
and that made that track super smooth, but it also made it tacky. And that was, you know, and it kept the dust down too. So that was a, you know, was a neat, fun track to run on that way. You know what I always found? Later on, I was just going to say later on with the EPA and stuff coming down on him, he had to quit using the uh, oil. Yeah, fact, he had a big pit pit out behind the track that was full of that oil. That he'd go down there and pump it out and go out and spread it around on the track and stuff. So that wasn't wasn't real economic ecology. Yeah, and one thing that always amazed me about that is you'd see guys smoking the tire, or what appeared to be like smoking the tire there and stuff, but it didn't seem like it was real hard on tires back in the day when they put the oil on it. That always surprised me. No, I no, mean, it just looked like they'd be cooking it, and they'd come in, and the tire would be fine. That always <laughs> blew my mind. And uh, the yep. other the other thing I remember is people walking out of there in nice clothes, like on MIS weekends, and they'd come out of the grandstand just be black because <laughs> if there's a little bit of dirt, <laughs> yep. you'd go to like wipe yep. off your forehead and just smear. <laughs> And stuff. Yep. Now, did you run any of the early World of Outlaw shows there at Butler? Uh, I think I only run one that I can. I I ran one that I can remember. Gotcha. But I might have been, and I was running good until I got was passing. Uh, I think it was uh, Jeff Swindell's brother. Uh, but anyway, I was passing him, and he come slid up into me and wiped me out, and not you know, and I was like running in fourth spot or something like that. Well, that's, but, uh, if, if it was Sammy, then you weren't the first to have that. No, it was, no, it was Jeff. Oh, it was Jeff? Sammy's okay. Brother, Jeff. Okay. Yeah. That's who it was. Hmm. And uh, I just, you know, that really, really upset me. But, you know, that's just the way racing was. And, uh, but being a home track like that and, and running good, you know, I, you know, you always want to, you always want to put on a good show. So anyway. Yeah. So, you know, I can't remember any others. What what are what are your favorite memories about your sprint car career? Like what are the couple things that stand out to you as probably your favorite things about it? Well uh, running uh my own car and running good with it in the early days was always you know, always uh rewarding. But uh just seems like, you know, the friends you make, you know, the different drivers you make friends with and stuff like that. There's always something that stays with you for a long time. And, uh, but just, just the fun of it, I guess, is what, what, what you would, uh, how you would put it. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. And the cool thing about your racing friends are the friends that, like, when you meet up again, it's almost like no time has passed. You just kind of pick up wherever you're left off and right. just go from yep. there. So, well, I have to admit, Mike, this was this was a huge thrill for me because I grew up watching you race, and you were hugely oh, influential yeah. in probably my fandom of sprint car racing back in the day you and everyone that was kind of the top guys inside like i said you were the you're probably the first guy that i would call really a gasser i got to see in my early <laughs> sprint car life who wasn't afraid to uh know how to use the right foot and had a really good car to do with it so for yep. all, so i really appreciate taking the time to do this and uh, uh glad you're doing well and hopefully one of these days we can see out track a butler oh yes definitely right definitely. all right well thank you mike i appreciate it Thank you for Mike Shaw for taking time out to visit with me today. That was so much fun. Brought back so many memories of the uh, 
early 80s and 90s and sprint car racing. It was just a blast. And I hope to bring more of these type podcasts to you throughout the weeks to come. But before we go, uh, just a reminder, there's a spaghetti dinner coming up to benefit Jimmy McCune, who was burned badly in a sprint car incident earlier this year while pulling off the racetrack, uh, suffering some very bad burns. And uh, the benefit's going to take place September 25th at the Knights of Columbus Hall in Toledo, Ohio. Admission will be $13, and it starts at 1 o'clock p.m., and there's going to be a 50-50 drawing, the dinner, silent auction, and probably a ton of bench racing, but I can't promise you how true the stories are that are going to be told uh, during the afternoon. But uh, it's going to be a great event to benefit Jimmy. I saw him Saturday out Berlin Raceway. You can see him out, but make sure to get out, support Jimmy. Uh, it should be a great afternoon uh, to uh, do that. It should be pretty awesome. That's a wrap for this edition of the Open Wheel Spectacular. Heck, I'm already looking forward to doing next week's edition. So thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the Open Wheel Spectacular. 